97, 98% of those experiences that a consumer expects from their brand is about listening, is about responding to what that need is. So that when the right time comes, when they're either ready to buy or they're impulse buying, you're the brand that comes to life for them. Not everyone makes the news, but behind every growth-driving experience, product, and transformation are experts who shape the outcome. Welcome to Behind the Growth, a podcast for digital leaders and those aspiring to become one. Each episode features a candid conversation with a remarkable individual. Join us as we focus on their struggles, wins, and lessons learned you won't find anywhere else. Let's get started. Welcome to Behind the Growth. I'm your host, Mudassar Malik. And today we're celebrating Chris Madden, Vice President, Digital Sales and Service at TELUS. Welcome to the show, Chris. Thanks, Mudassar. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you for joining us. Chris, you and I, we want to discuss artificial intelligence and how it impacts customer experiences. But before that, would love our audience to learn more about you and your career journey. Absolutely. I'm what you would call the ultimate career generalist. I've listened to your podcast, so I've heard of a number of people that actually knew precisely where they wanted to go, what they wanted to do. My journey was and continues to be the complete opposite of that. So, you know, I've been, I started off my career in, in aviation, did a fair bit of operational pricing, revenue management. About 20 years ago, we made the decision to come to Canada. And as a first generation immigrant, I did what, what a lot of people do. I went back to school and then education. So... I got an MBA, got an accounting designation, and took on a new career, a new role in a new country. I was at CIBC for uh, for a number of years. And lucky enough and fortunate enough, you know, along with the support of your family, the other thing that really plays a role in these things is, is the people that support and mentor you and coach you through that process. So started off in wealth management, ended up moving to retail. And about 10 years ago, I stumbled into what I think is has probably become crystal clear in hindsight, which was marketing and digital and some of those components. Mm -hmm. But if I look back, I I think the common thread uh, that connects uh, all my different experiences has been a client experience. Mm -hmm. And that's uh, my primary role at TELUS now is, you know, as a custodians of our digital storefront, which is whether it's our website or our apps, my team and I are accountable for delivering a market leading client experience. And I go back to my, what I call my analog days in aviation, where, you know, we stood in front of people at, at counters and checked them in. Today, you know, we, we have millions of eyeballs coming to our site and our role is still the same. Incredible. The incredible world of digital. <laughs> it is. It is, a, it is a fascinating world. Yeah, fantastic. Chris, let's dive into our topic for today. And, uh, you know, AI is often associated with automation, right? But it also has the potential to augment human capabilities. How do you build a culture that embraces AI for positive change rather than resisting it? Yeah. I think, you know, if you think of the current gold rush associated with AI, people forget that I think AI has been here for a long, long time, right? It's, it's just different evolutions of, of AI. We've gone from more predictive, data-based modeling. AI exists in, in almost everything you do. You know, if you're typing a query into your search engine, it's, it's predicting what your response would be. That's AI. AI has been there from the time when, you know, they were trying to play chess with the IBM days. So, I think what we have to do is, especially with the with the newest way, which is more generative AI, is just continue to make sure that we've got, you know, the right outcomes in mind. So I go back to what I started with, which is how does this augment the experiences we're trying to deliver for our clients in the forefront? So if you think of uh, 
generative AI and, you know, you think of the new pieces that are coming up, things like DALI, things like BARD, things like um, all the new generative tools that are out there. What they're doing is they're taking aspects of data, taking aspects of content creation and speeding up that process. But those things are just a means to the end. And the mm -hmm. end, for me and our perspective, is always linked to that client experience. So what is it doing to enhance that experience? You think of predictive AI in particular being linked to the way neural networks think, and that's the way our brain functions. And so for me, I think we generally have a lot more that we can offer when we're in front of a client, we struggle to deliver those those same experiences in a non-assisted way. And I think AI has the capability to now let, let us get closer and closer to providing that uh, that outcome. Yeah, and I, I think that, that connects, you know, very dearly to what your role is as a customer-focused leader. And, you know, you're also a custodian of the digital storefronts. So how do you see AI delivering more meaningful customer experiences. There's an absolute connection there, but what's your take on it? What's your point of view on it? I think there's always two parts to the client experience. One is we start with the client. We're all clients. We're all clients in different industries. Uh, you know, we, we all use different means, uh, products, services that, that we consume. And so if we had that lens, which is, which is our team member lens focused on, on sort of that, that end outcome, then we're looking at how do some of these new capabilities that are emerging help augment our team member experience. Because, you know, say in most cases, the desire exists, and I have a posture of hope in the fact that we all want to do right for, for our clients. The desire exists. The constraints are typically capacity or capability. And what AI does, uh, especially if you think of it from a capacity and capability, and I, and I use two examples, you know, on the data side and on the content creation side, it gives you and it starts to open up that world of infinite possibilities. So you start to remove some of the constraints that have traditionally limited you. So from a team member perspective, it's about what are the new tools we can enable with them? What access do we, do we provide them so that we can start to, I would say, democratize some of these aspects that get in the way of them getting to that right client experience. And then from a client perspective, I think it's, it's putting our listening lures on new tools transformation, capabilities, et cetera. Wave one, the first model out of the door will, will give you a lot of signals back. So making sure that the second model, the third model, the, the fourth model, and I don't mean it from a data model, I mean it from the experiences we're trying to deliver, that they are constantly evolving. So, so being agile, and it's an overused word in this space, but in this case, being truly, truly agile, being truly, truly responsive, and the tools and the capabilities coming out allow you to do that. I think are sort of the two aspects. So enabling our team to actually do what they know they need to do for the client and then listening back in a more cohesive way is probably the two aspects I would, I would highlight. This, you know, when you said this, it reminds me of um, this comment that you made the other day, which was that humanity is currently data rich and insight poor. And so let's dig behind, like what are the, some of the ways that you think AI can bridge this gap? It's... Um, yeah, and I would say I'd maybe tweak that a bit as, as I reflect on that. Mm. I think as human beings, we're both data and insight rich. I think the tools we use to try and deliver those experiences are data rich and insight poor. And that's because we've, we've got this vast amount of information, but we've traditionally been constrained by, and again, I'm using the brain and the neural network aspect to it, 
we've traditionally been constrained by can we process all that information? You know, if you and I think back to our childhood, we can we can pull out a memory that sticks with us, positive or negative, or you know, you give it something to associate with, and and we're able to connect the dots between. I'm going to date myself, but you know, a famous Bollywood actor I may have seen 20 years ago, and I see him now, and I'm able to make that connection. That's our brain making those data connections, and you know, taking that data and creating an insight that's truly real. I think we have the ability now with capabilities that are emerging to start to do that at scale with our clients. Our clients give us so many signals. And I use the word signals in, in the sense that, you know, we see where they're shopping. We've seen the experiences we've delivered to them. We've seen in the telecom world, we, we, we see how um, the information may be uh, being used. We know what their bills are. We know what they live. Like we have enough information. How do we stitch it together to make sure that every experience and in any world, whether it's in digital or physical, is augmented with the insights we have from that. And how do you then show up in the moments that matter, right? It's, it's a really, really important aspect that I think distinguishes machines from humans is that we know which moments matter more than others. Uh, this is a delightful moment for me being with, in, in front of you, so I'm going to be on my best behavior. But it's the moments that, that matter that we truly want to be able to stand out on. And having the data but not having sort of that, that insight is what limits uh, or what a lot of uh, technologies are able to do today. Hmm. Yeah, no, well said. I, I agree with you completely. And uh, so do you think hyper-personalized and personalization, cross-sells and all of those use cases and everything, you know, do you think they're going to be uh, eventually becoming real and effective? They are. I mean, you know, there's there's so much hype around the whole, everything over the last 10 years in, in marketing and digital from data lakes to data swarms to cloud journeys to quantum computing to AI to generative AI to predictive AI. And I think all these are our capabilities, but at the end of the day, we have to stitch these pieces together. So, you know, the word hyper-personalization, from the way I think of it is, uh, I go back to, to something I just said, which is more around the fact that, what is that moment that matters, right? So if I think of a, of a client over a year, we may market to them in a variety of different ways. And there's a lot of wastage in that, you know, there's... 70% of emails don't get open or, you know, you'll have hundreds of interactions that get ignored. You have millions of visits to your website that are browsing because consumers are going to, are going to react or act on their time at their pace and at their scale. And so far we've been, we continue to get better, but I think what this allows us to do is to actually put relative weight on those signals, pick up on the nuances of, of certain behaviors and then see how do we drive. And it's always not about the cross-sell. I think that's the, that's my probably number one piece that, that I've learned is it is about the experience. And 97, 98% of those experiences that a consumer expects from their brand is about listening, is about responding to what that need is. So that when the right time comes, when they're either ready to buy or they're impulse buying, you're the brand that comes to life for them. But it's the remaining... You know, it's, that's the one to two percent where you're buying something, you're, you're cross-selling, you're upselling, you're renewing a, a product, you're, you're adding something to your household. The vast majority of an interaction with a brand is a non-sales experience, and it's those moments for me that are that are truly critical where you deliver those those hyper-personalized experiences. Yeah, delivering experiences in the moments that matter. Absolutely, yeah, I love that. I love that. So I read this thing the other day, and I, I wanted. I wonder how you can translate this. And the statement was that technology is no longer an enabler. 
It's actually now the differentiator. That's how it's shaping up. And a lot of AI impact and influence is kind of driving us into you know, that mindset also. How, how would you react to that statement? I actually think it, it depends, right? There's, if you think of all the different industries and, and how things play out, if I think of the world of education, for example, I think technology at the moment is an enabler. If I think of the world of healthcare, I think that's where it can and should be a differentiator. You know, we've, we've got hundreds and millions and billions of, of human beings and, you know, our body dynamics are very, very unique. Our genetics are very, very unique. And I would say traditional medicine, traditional healthcare, which is looked at vast levels of segmentation to deliver sort of some of those outcomes has been constrained. So I think for me, that's where technology can and will be a differentiator. I think of the world of marketing and communications, et cetera. I think technology is still an enabler in those spaces. So it's a perspective of one, but I think we're, we're sort of early on in that journey. You think of AI, I always think of AI as being sort of the software. And any any software to be truly, truly successful also needs the appropriate hardware. And I heard this on a, on a podcast, I think, about a month ago, where it said, quantum computing is the hardware that is needed to unlock the power of AI, which is the software. So as those two things come to life, I do think it, it starts to make our lives more simpler and, uh, and, and easier. Yeah, it makes sense because also a lot of these complementing ecosystem coming together, and I think that makes a lot of difference. With that also, I think, you know, there comes responsibility and with so much of what's going on and the rapid advancements in AI and there's a growing debate about ethics and responsibility, right? So what measures do you suggest to ensure fairness, transparency, and privacy? I think it's a very, very good question. And um, I approach this with a posture of hope but also cautious optimism around that. So, you know, if you, from my perspective, there's probably three to four things that are really, really important. One is let's not follow any of these technologies blindly. So make sure we have the appropriate guardrails around how it's used for what it's used, how we enable access. Human beings, by definition, are biased. So exposing vast amounts of, of technology to all of our biases can easily go and amplify some of those pieces. So, so being really, really responsible and having those guardrails, I think number one is, is important. Number two, transformation by definition is hard. And we've seen you know, the, the evolution, especially the, the age of AI, as they call it now, but the age of, I would say, the internet, which started about 30 years ago. We've seen rapid advancements. And with each advancements, we've seen organizations and governments being, have typically been on the back foot and have been slower to respond traditionally. What I'm seeing now gives me a fair bit of hope. Uh, you know, there was a whole hearing at the Senate looking at AI and organizations, including ourselves, are taking more of a outward-facing role in AI for good, AI responsibly, et cetera. So I think organizations and governments are, are going to be reacting much, much more quicker to make sure that, you know, those guardrails I talked about start to be augmented with, with policies and procedures. That, that play out. And then last but not the least, I think we all have an absolute responsibility as custodians of the client experience to make sure that the capabilities we are unlocking go back into that mode of, of continuous learning and pieces. So, you know, making sure that the first principles of any good marketer is, you know, 
PII data? How do you make sure data is used responsibly, ethically? Just because I have access to information doesn't mean I need to use that information in any way or form. So I think some of those traditional guardrails automatically translate themselves into this new and evolving ecosystem. But I have a posture of hope, as I said, on uh, on how this unlocks value for us. And uh, I'm cautiously optimistic that governments and organizations are going to move much, much faster than they, than they have in the past. That's fantastic. And I, I think you're pointing out the right thing. And also, I'm thinking like there have been certain nations who've been resistant to it. I think that's also not really ideal. Resistance is not the right way, but really to see what's the best way to address it would probably be the better approach to it. Yeah, and I'd say that's, that's true for us as individuals as well, right? So I think there's there's two parts to it. With resistance, yeah, you may get some aspect of security, but I think you lose out on the whole innovation that this will spur yeah, and, and the growth really... aspects that it'll spur, right? So you end up being left behind. And then you get to a place where aspects of those things become obsolete and then you do have to adopt it. So so for me, there's, there's a two-parter to this, which is you want to be there, you want to help influence it, and you want to lock value along the way and you don't want to be playing catch-up. Mm. Yeah, well said, well said. Chris, we're coming up on our time and you know I'd be eager to know that are there any specific trends or advancements in AI that you're you know particularly excited about? I mean, there's there's lots. Uh, I'll share a couple of personal anecdotes. We've got uh, uh, we've been looking at uh, at options for trip, and uh, my kids, who I would hope and think would be uh, a lot more um, open to this, we we tried in a couple of trip options in the, in the Bing, powered by AI and sort of OpenAI's uh, platform, and it's 3.5 GPT perspective, but it spat out such an amazing itinerary. With, with every aspect's LinkedIn into that, that the kids were blown away. So we're going to try and start to leverage that. So I'm, I'm trying to get my household to adapt. The one that I'm most probably um, fascinated by and I'm playing around with, with, with a bunch of different these is in GPT-4, you have the ability to do plugins. So I have a colleague of mine and he was showing me an example where we tried a crazy recipe and we asked it to uh, create a recipe with all these different ingredients. But because now Instacart allows an automatic plugin, not just the recipe, but it actually takes you straight into the shopping cart. And it also looks at your shopping behavior and tells you, you probably have these ingredients at home, right? So it's becoming as smart as my mother in terms of knowing what's my grocery list for the weekend. So I think there's just so many different ways to play around with. I, you know, I'd be remiss to not, not share another example. I have a colleague of mine who's actually brewing an Indian-based beer based on a recipe he's created through uh, ChatGPT. So I think there's lots out there where people are just experimenting for folks that are out there, whether it's MidJourney, Dali, all these different uh, content generation tools that are fascinating playbooks. So I would say I'm really fascinated and about just the world of exploration at the moment. It's like a new toy that we're all learning with. And uh, yeah, no, I think there's new stuff coming all the time. I would say it's everyone's favorite toy these days. It is, but I would say there's also this um, this aspect of, as you said, on hesitancy or, or or what do we do with it. But it is my favorite toy, and as I said, approach this with a posture of hope. Fantastic, Chris. Let's circle back onto you, and I was uh, want to give you an opportunity, and I want to see if there's anything that you feel like you know, looking back at your career, there's something that you have not been able to achieve, or you've been wanting to. So anything that's uh, something on your radar. 
No, you know what I would say? And if there's one thing I would like to highlight is maybe just highlight the role of family in the aspects of, of how my career has played out. Everything from my kids to my parents to my whole support ecosystem around me. I've had a lot of mentors, leaders, friends, colleagues uh, around who've helped enable where I am. And, you know, my aspiration is to continue to define uh, and enable the folks around me. So what I haven't achieved, I think if, if I had achieved everything I wanted to achieve, then I wouldn't be human. You know, we're, we're always looking for sort of that, that next level of, uh, of unlocking value. I've just been really, really grateful. So for me, it's, it's just a huge thank you to the whole support ecosystem around me versus regrets along the way. Love that. Chris, thank you so much. You know, I'm sure a number of our listeners want to connect with you. What do you recommend for them? I think LinkedIn is, is probably still the source to connect with me. But uh, having said that, who knows, by the time this airs, there may be new evolutions in, in OpenAI. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> who <wild>. knows? <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic. Thank you so much, Chris. Thank you again uh, for joining us today. It was an absolute pleasure having you on Behind the Growth. Absolutely, Melissa. And thanks to you. And I know there's a whole team behind both of us uh, that also brings these things to life. So thank you. And thank you to the Mobile Life team and to everyone around. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for listening to Behind the Growth. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to follow along on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. This podcast is brought to you by Mobile Live, a team of digital experts specializing in designing experiences, building products, and scaling technology. For more episodes of Behind the Growth, please visit mobilelive.ca slash podcast. Thank you.